So praise the Lord. We are looking in Acts chapter 1. Try to figure out if I can figure my iPad out there. Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8. We're looking at uh, the miracle life, which is simply the life of God in us, the life as God has it, life from his, uh, him as the source and as our, as our energy, as our strength. Miracle life. Do you want to come over here? Do you want to come over here? You don't have to, but then everybody's on one side. Oh, Jeremy's coming, though. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Wherever you want to be. I just thought you might want to be closer. The ship is leaning, so we'll make it even. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former letter or treaty have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to him, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but you shall be witnesses, uh, excuse me, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. So, you know, the last part there, they're saying like, hey, is this like when you're going to establish your kingdom here on earth and, you know, we're going to be ruling and reigning with you? And he's saying, you know, uh, let's not talk about that right now. What you need to be focused on is you're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and be witnesses uh, unto me or literally it says to me, witnesses to me. And we learned that a witness is not just someone that relates something that they saw but this definition of witness is someone that actually, through personal experience, can tell you something that happened. So he's saying, don't be focused on, on all of these things, but focus on the fact that you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. So really, when you look at that, it doesn't say in Jerusalem and then in Judea and then in Samaria and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, because if you look on a map, that kind of like is like the area they were at and then like the region and then the whole world. But we are to be a witness to the whole world and right where we're at. We don't have to like do one and then the other. The Bible teaches us that we're to be a witness wherever we're at and all the time. Amen. So the first week we talked about Jesus uh, being our model. Uh, M for model, that all that Jesus began to do and to teach, that he's our model. He's our example, and that's how we see God. So has anybody ever seen God? Right? No man can see God and live, so if you did, it was just in a vision. I don't, I don't want to, like, burst your bubble. Uh, but no man can see God, but we want to see God, and we want to know what God is like. So God put flesh on him in Jesus Christ. He came in a virgin in Mary, and he, the word became flesh and lived among us. Amen. So, like, uh, I know Jeremy and Leah have a guest right now, 
So living among them. Someone's come to live with them. And actually, uh, we have guests right now. My in-laws are here, which is awesome. And so they've come to live among us. So when you live with someone, you start to learn more and more about them. So we learn more about them, and they learn more about us. And hopefully just the good things, right? (laughs) That's all we talk about. So um, I'm not picking on me, not them. And uh, so Jesus came in the world just like one of us, so that he could communicate with us, so we could see what God's like. And, you know, different people have actually have had visions of Jesus, and it's interesting when you have people that have a vision of Jesus, other people will come and ask him, so was he wearing shoes? <laughs> and like, uh, what was his hair like? And, you know, what was he wearing? Where... Uh, like, Dad Hagen uh, had several experiences like that. And, you know, he's like, I, I, don't, I wasn't focused on that. I'm listening to what he's saying, right? Because it's the word that changes you. And words uh, create life or they create death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And this whole thing, this whole world, everything that we see around us was created through words. So we're really more interested in what he has to say. So Jesus came to show us the Father. He came to show us what God is like. So what would God be like when he encounters sickness or disease? Well, you can look in the Gospels and time after time after time after time, what did Jesus do? Uh, You know, most of the time, many of the times, he said he healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. He came to heal. He came to preach deliverance. He came to set free. And so you see the heart of God in Jesus Christ. Because what do we learn in the epistles? God is love. So I know anything that Jesus did was love. And I had a guy uh, working for me one time, and uh, he was working directly for me. And I'd ask him about a situation. I said, so uh, what happened in this situation? There was a conflict with another person. And um, uh, so he uh, wouldn't tell me. He's like, well, I want to walk in love. I don't want to, like, I don't want to talk bad about him or anything like that. I just want to... And I said, what do you mean, like, walk in love? I want to walk in love, too. I said, but I need to run this department effectively. And uh, do you think it's more loving to let this person keep doing these things that they're doing that they should not be doing or to affect, like, this whole group of people? And um, so I got him to reluctantly tell me. And, of course, was it uh, Colossians talks about that love is discerning. Love should be discerning. I don't want to get too far into that discussion. But the point is, you can look at Jesus Christ and find out how to love. And is love always what we might describe as love, being a soft, uh, gushy sort of thing that you know, never says anything sternly or whatever? Well, Jesus, I believe, was walking in love 100% of the time. And when he drove the money changers out of the temple, he was walking in love. And so Jesus Christ and his life is the best model, the best example that we could ever look at to find out how we should be, what we should do. And of course, he did something. Uh, one thing that we can't do uh, is to redeem us and to redeem mankind. Amen. So he came to set us free and he redeemed us. And we, we looked at one of the scriptures that has to do with that. So he's our model. Number two, he's our inspiration. That's how he impacts us. And that's, you know, the first one was how do we see God? So we see God through Jesus Christ. Point number two is we see us. How do we see us? Well, so you look at the life of Christ, and you see what he did and how he uh, acted and how he encountered people. 
And he was like, you know, people are expecting, you know, him to do certain things, and he wouldn't do those things. So the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, and they're expecting, oh, he's going to, you know, they're really trying to trip him up in it. But they're expecting, oh, he's going to say this, let's stone her, let's do this, let's do that. But he responded out of love. And he said, well, let's see, who is the, who's the one that has no sin? How about you throw the first stone? Well, how does that apply to your life today? How does that apply to my life today? Well, one of the ways that I apply that is I might see someone, uh, might have someone working for me or a friend or hear of someone that's more distant or even watch somebody. I'm traveling a lot right now, like I said, on an airplane, not act appropriately, and uh, throw a fit, you know, an adult fit or adult tantrum. Well, it's real easy to kind of just... You're not in their position. You don't know what they're going through and to, to judge them and just be like, what is wrong with them or what is wrong with you, especially if it's, you know, maybe someone closer to you. Well, maybe that's not a, um, uh, an item where you're tempted, but maybe they're tempted there. So I kind of take what Jesus said, the one without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? He's just saying, you know what? Everybody messes up. It's really more about relying upon God and looking to God. And if we could save ourselves, then there's no reason for Christ to come. You know, he came to fulfill the law, and then we have one law that he gave us, the law of love. We learned that in um, John chapter 8, verse 30 and 31. We have one law, the law of love. And Christ came to fulfill all of the law. So when we see him in that uh, story that um, happened, we see, we see him saying, okay, don't focus on all of these things. None of us, none of you are without sin. And let's, I'm just trying to connect her with God. So a lot of times we can see other people and situations and talk to them. And uh, if you've been a believer for any length of time, uh, that uh, self-righteous spirit can try to come on you and be like, well, I'm this, I'm that. Because when you're born again, man, you have all these benefits that we talked about. You are born again. You are healed. You are prosperous. And you just have to receive those and start to walk in light of them. But, you know, we are saved by grace through faith. So we're not to have faith in ourselves, like, I am so good that God saved me. No, God saved me when I was terrible, lost, when I was a sinner, when I was the worst. So when I was, you know, quote unquote, spitting on him, that's when God saved us. And... Um, so it's not about us, but it's about grace. So we just take our faith, and we put our faith in his grace. And we just say, you know what? I trust that your goodness is better than any of my badness. That your goodness, once you're born again, is better than any of my flesh. The things that my flesh would rise up and try to do, and maybe I would uh, miss it and do this or do that. So Christ is our model, and then he's our inspiration He's how we see God, and then he's how we see us. So we see ourselves, we start to see ourselves in his picture. And then uh, that's the letter M, the letter I. The third one is uh, response to the gospel, R, uh, how we see the world. So that's how we respond. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 28, and then you can look in Mark and also Luke, he gave command, go into all the world, preach the gospel. So, like I used the example, was it last week, I think, I said, uh, Melody, you'll get me some water. And she got up and got me some water. And she's not in here this week. 
So she has a choice to either do it or not do it. I'm not forcing her to do it. Maybe a little intimidating because you're like in front of people telling somebody to do it. But I'm not forcing her to do it. Well, God is not going to force us to do anything. If he was, he would force everybody to be born again. But we have a free will and a free choice. And his desire and his heart is for everyone to be born again. That's what he wants. But everyone is not born again. Because they have not heard the gospel. And the way that you hear the gospel is through the preacher. We learn that in Romans. How can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they be sent? So the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For the Jew first, but also for the non-believer, uh, for the non-Jew. And that's where the power of God uh, is tied up, is in the gospel. And if you want to see power when you're speaking to someone or you're uh, dealing with a situation in your life, you preach the gospel. Because the gospel actually is outside of time. And that event can be uh, visited anytime you want. You just talk about it. You just believe it and speak it. That Christ died was buried, rose again, and justified for you and for me. And there's power in that message. Because if Christ is not raised from the dead, then everything we're doing is pointless. It's vain. We're actually just uh, into ourselves. But he is raised from the dead, and he is alive. And the number one way you can tell that if you're born again, that Christ is alive and he's alive in you, is because of the love that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I like to say, I would be a jerk without Jesus. Because I like things like this systematic, this, this, like working like a piece of machinery, and that's not reality. (laughs) So I would be a part of a group of jerks without Jesus. But I have Jesus. So the love of God constrains us because we would do things or say things uh, without the love of God that that love keeps us. That love keeps us. And, um, you know, when you want to say something to somebody, maybe tell them off or something like that, you've got this, like, on the inside, this witness on the inside, like, don't do that, don't do that, don't say that, calm down. It's the Holy Spirit, and he's the spirit of love, and the love of God, the love of Christ constrains us. And then today, uh, we're talking about uh, number four, action, our action as his delegates, So until the day he was taken up, after he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So he gave commandments unto the apostles he'd chosen. Apostle is like a huge word. And we kind of like elevate apostle, make it really big and really high. Well, he gave commandment right here to the apostles he had chosen. And what did he say? Um, Wait in the city of Jerusalem to endure with power from on high. So how many apostles of the Lamb were there? At this time, there were 11 because Jesus had died. They hadn't replaced him, but they will replace him in a minute. So there were like 12. But how many people showed up in the upper room? 120. So when he gave a commandment to those who he had sent, apostle just means a sent one, like 120 people show up and get filled with the Holy Spirit and receive power to be witness. So apostle is really a sent one. Someone that's sent. Sure, there's a class of apostles, apostles of the Lamb, those that were physically present with Jesus when he was physically present in the earth. And um, we are not those, but we're sent to the world just like they were sent to the world. 
So it's our action as his delegates or his representatives or his ambassadors. We learn in Corinthians that we are ambassadors for Christ. So the big question for today is, what happens when we discover how much God trusts us? And the answer is, uh, when we discover that, it motivates us to do something. It motivates us to action. So how much God trusts us? I went to, let's see, I went to Bible school back from 1999 until 2001, graduated in 2001, and then went on staff at the ministry uh, in Oklahoma. And uh, so you learn a lot about uh, the Word. You learn a lot. I went to Ramah, so it was the school of the Word and the Holy Spirit. So you learn the, the flow of the Spirit, or at least you get exposed to it, and hopefully you learn, and uh, start to grow in it. And you learn a lot of wonderful things. And you'll run into people, not only there but anywhere, that talk about how much they love God. Like, God is the center of my life, and my whole life is lived for him. I, you know, I could say we moved because he sent us here from the Midwest in Michigan. We moved out here, and because of the Lord. And then you learn, you say, you know, like, I don't know where the money's coming from. I think I said a couple weeks ago when we moved out here, I didn't have like a position or anything like that. I didn't know where the money's coming from, but the Lord has provided. So what I'm going to say right now is not to negate all of that. It's just to, to take our focus and look at it a little different way. And that is, we talk many times about our faith in God, but this verse is talking about God's faith in us. That God actually loves us and has faith in us and trusts us. And this goes to that thing that always is amazing to me, is how amazing, amazingly delegated the authority of God is to the body of Christ. Because having been a leader at a couple uh, different churches and in the military, you have like, you may give someone an order, or even if it's not a direct order, like military's order, but uh, even in other cases, you give someone a responsibility and say, I want you to take care of this area and make sure everything's taken care of. And uh, a lot of times, especially if you have experience in that area, it's really hard to not like get back into it. And if people are messing up and not doing it effectively. But God delegated to the church through Jesus Christ all authority. Because Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Now go. So it's like you go into, uh, you know, being close to D.C., I guess you can think of the president, but you go into the president's office and he's going to make you the, uh, I'm going to pick on the cyber guys again, the cyber wars are, right? And he's like, okay, Tom, you're over this now and I want you to develop a team and get all this stuff. And so then you go and you represent him as the cyber czar. So you're head of all the cyber stuff and all the you know, electronic computer attacks. You start to build a team and do all, this, all, of, all of that stuff. So Christ said, all authority has been given unto me. Right after he rose again, went up to heaven, offered his, his uh, blood in the heavenly holies of holies one time for all of us, and came back and said, I have all of this authority. Now go. Immediately. Like he didn't, he didn't really hesitate. He delegated that authority. Because, uh, just to go back to lesson number two for a second, all that he began to do and to teach. And if Jesus just began to do and to teach, and we see that in the Gospels, that means he must be continuing his ministry today. 
So he began his ministry, and we see it recorded in the Gospels and the first part of the book of Acts, and then uh, reflections of it throughout the epistles. And then he still continues his ministry today, but he continues it through you and through me. Because God trusts you and has faith in you. Well, we see real quick that if we are going to be conscious of our failures and of our faults and of our shortcomings, that we're not going to be successful in doing what God wants us to do, what God has given us power to do. So he took Jesus Christ, sent him to earth, and said, listen, here's a great example. Here's what I'm like. You want to see what I'm like? Because a lot of people are lying about me. Look at Jesus Christ. And then he said, I'm going to uh, send him, and I'm going to redeem you. Because my original plan was, my original plan was that I should live inside and live with and fellowship with you. Remember in the garden? God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. They had like a sweet fellowship. And God's dream was, I want that back. Because he created us for fellowship. He created mankind for fellowship. And the devil kind of messed that up and mankind responding to the devil. So God said, I want that back. And Christ redeemed us so that he could come, God could come by his spirit and live inside of us. So once we're redeemed, God could come and live inside of us. And Jesus said, you know, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. But when he's come, he's going to what? He's going to guide you into all truth. He's the spirit of reality. He's going to show you what's real and what's not real. Because Jesus, remember, he was just like one of us, except for perfect and sinless. But he experienced all the temptations that you would face or that I would face. That means he had a temptation to tell somebody off. That means he had a sexual temptation just like anybody else would have a sexual temptation. That means he had a you know, temptation to uh, uh, hurt somebody physically just like somebody else would have a temptation to hurt somebody physically. We, like, we correctly esteem him as God. But you have to remember in Colossians, he laid aside all of his power and glory and became just like one of us so that he could live a sinless life, fulfill the whole law, and make a way for us to live for him. So he believes in us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die and to suffer for things that we did. Not things that he did, but things that we did, that we could receive his relationship with God. Because he, he had no reason to come. He was right with God. He was good. But the reason was because love motivated. God so loved the world that he gave. And so he gave Jesus Christ. And he didn't give, you know, sometimes you love somebody and you're like, you know what? I love you so much. I have a surplus of this left over, so I'm going to give it to you. Well, I believe it was not an uh, uh, easy, unthought thing to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross. And I know from Christ's perspective it wasn't because he hesitated. And he's like, God, is there any way that this can pass from me? Like, do I really have to do this? And he said, mm, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And we're looking at Christ as our model. Sometimes there's things that the Lord asks us to do that our flesh really doesn't want to do. But we're to take the example of Christ and confess just like he confessed. Lord, not my will, but your will. Not what I want, but you want, what you want. And uh, I said like the one verse that I kind of have started on with the confessions of Jesus is 
uh, when he was talking to the woman at the well of Samaria and then the disciples went to town, they came back and they're like, you know, let's go eat something. You know, don't you want to eat some food? And he said, my food is to do the will of him that sent me and do his work. And so if you ever like serve in the Lord and you're, you're kind of like, oh man, I just don't, I don't really want to do this today. Well, one scripture says, don't be weary in well-doing. You can use that scripture, but you can use the same confession that Jesus made. No, my, my food, what sustains me, what invigorates me is doing the will of God and doing his work. And you start to say that. I've started saying that. And you start to say that and you just, whoop, something just kind of boosts you with strength on the inside. And you start to realize, well, well, that's because we're coming in line with the word of God. When you speak the word of God, the word of God has power. And when you speak it and believe it, that power is present to affect you and to affect those that are uh, around you or with you. So he has faith in us, and our faith needs to be in God. Mark eleven twenty two, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, have faith in God, or have the faith of God, as the margin says, have faith in God. Well, when you're looking at, well, God's, belief, God's banking on me, it's like your coach, and you're running a track meet, and the coach can't get out there and run for you. Because, uh, well, that's a different, you can't use that example because that coach is probably older and can't handle it, but the Lord can handle it. But the coach is not going to run for you. You're the runner. He's coaching you. So you want to get out there and run your very best. With us, when God has faith in us, he's counting on us. He's counting on us to win the race. He's counting on us to preach the gospel, to bring his life to the world. Jesus came, uh, probably one of our main theme texts for this series is John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So if you're a Christian, that's why you have come to the world, to bring life, the life of God, and abundant life into people's lives. That's why Christ came. That's why we're there. So you, you experience someone uh, going through a difficult situation, and you come alongside them to love them through it. And when you love them through it, you let the life of God come through you. In other words, what does God think about the situation? What words is God giving you on the inside? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of your spirit, bearing witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And you are, uh, Jesus said, my sheep, and my sheep know me and know my voice. So the reality is we actually know God. We are known of God and we know God. But you get to, uh, in closer fellowship with someone, the more you spend time with them, the more you learn of them. So God trusts us, God believes in us, and his belief in us has gone far beyond our mistakes, has gone far beyond our um, laziness, or far beyond our inability to produce results. That's the grace of God. So we have faith in God, and then we have to have faith in God in us. I think a lot of times we have faith in God that he is awesome, he is all-powerful, he can do anything, he might show up, and we look at the word and say, okay, like I know you promised healing, so I believe that, I receive it, I'm confessing it, but faith is now. And I heard someone say one time about faith, I thought it was a really good statement to make about faith. They said, when you have faith in God, you believe that God will do that for you right now. And key part is for you. So a lot of times we'll look like, well, I know God will bless you. I know God will heal you. But will he, 
do it for me, there's a little hesitation. Because if the devil can get us to think uh, we can't do it, it's, you know, really sin consciousness. If the devil can get us to think that we don't measure up, we can't do it, God can't use us, we didn't pray enough, we didn't read the Bible enough, uh, we were too rude to somebody, uh, if that consciousness gets in there and we start to look to ourselves, not to God, we'll fail every time. You can't pray a prayer trusting God when you're looking to yourself. One of my greatest challenges and one of the scriptures that I like to pray a lot is Philippians chapter 4, casting all of your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And that's the easiest place for uh, the devil to slip up on me where all of a sudden I won't realize it and I'm like carrying all uh, worries and cares and uh, you know your prayers can't really get through to God if you're doing that. But it says, cast all of your cares and the peace of God which transcends or passes all of your mental understanding, all of your reasoning, will flood your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Uh, one translation says, it'll actually come in like a garrison of soldiers into a turbulent country. So like imagine like a garrison of soldiers coming into like where Al-Qaeda or ISIS is holed up in Syria. This garrison of soldiers. You know how much rejoicing there would be for people, especially all those people fleeing? In this country where you don't know what's going on, well, that's how the peace of God comes in. It's like, oh, now I can relax. And you, you know, cast all your cares over on him. So when we discover how much God trusts us, it causes us to act. So I would encourage you this week, look at the scriptures, uh, you know, at the end of the Gospels and see where God has delegated to each of us. And just meditate on those, maybe one verse a day. You know, there's going to be, you can look in Acts 2, so there'll be like four of them. Uh, You can find others if you want, but those are the easy ones to find. And just meditate on that and say, you know what? God's counting on me. He's made a way for me. And then when you're in a situation where no one else is in that situation with that person, uh, just take a leap of faith, step out, and say, thus says the Lord. No, just, just tell someone how much God loves them. Be like, man. Like I was talking about with Jesus and the woman um, caught in adultery. I like to just talk to people and uh, say, I can see that's really tough for you. You're going through that. I've had things in my life that were so difficult, even if it's not the identical situation. You can kind of relate to them and say, you know what? I had this situation, but God showed up, and here's what he did. And he will show up for you right here, right now. Because he's the same, he doesn't change. And the life that he provided through Christ, he provided not just for me, but also for you. So we can take what he's given us and step out with it and, um, you know, I just pray for opportunities, and the Lord seems to send opportunities. And then, uh, of course, I always pray for the right words to speak. And the Lord will direct you to the right person. We have the Holy Spirit when you're born again, and you just rely upon him. Say, okay, Lord, you know, I'd like to minister to someone, tell someone about you today. Who should I, who who do you want me to approach? Who do you want me to talk to? Give me opportunities. And uh, it's a lot of fun uh, working for him and with him and watching lives be changed. Next week, uh, I think we'll get on to the next one, which is the credibility of the gospel. And that's such an amazing lesson that, uh, you know, if everything we're doing is not true and doesn't pan out, then why are we doing any of it? But the gospel is credible. 
and it backs us up. And the gospel is the truth. And then we have a couple other weeks. We'll talk about uh, our authority uh, the week after that, and then um, our experience of his energy the last week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for an opportunity to come together uh, to worship you. We love you so much. We're so thankful for all that you've done for us and all that you've done in us. And Father, I just pray if there's anyone that's listening to this or anyone that's here that doesn't know you, Father, that they would respond uh, to the tug of your spirit, that they would uh, open their hearts to you and uh, receive Jesus Christ today and uh, experience his life and his energy and his, his very nature that comes from you. Thank you, Father. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, if he's not your Lord and not your Savior, I'd invite you just to raise up your hand. I want to pray with you and for you. And if you're listening online, we invite you to uh, email in info at anchordc.org and we can um, pray with you and get you some materials. There's nothing better than living a life full of God and full of his love. So if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord, you'd like to know, just slip up your hand, we'll pray with you, for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made a way where it seemed like there was no way, that you crossed the great chasm between spiritual death and spiritual life with Jesus Christ, and that in him we live and move and breathe and have our being. Father, we thank you that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, who gives us help. Father, we thank you for uh, your word, and we thank you most of all for the blood of Jesus Father, we thank you that that blood you said is speaking even today on our behalf, and that as we go this week, that we are uh, protected because of what the blood has accomplished, that we are enabled because of what the blood has accomplished, and that we can live for you because of what the blood has accomplished. We pray for great opportunities this week to encounter people and to bring your life and your love to them. Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for uh, helping us to uh, be a light to this community, to this area. Father, we thank you for great opportunities of influence and speaking. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.